Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 41 of Rookie Mistakes. On the episode today, we are going to be talking about the travel guide to Seoul. And I think this is one of the better travel guides that I have done. I lived in Seoul for a month and a half, so I think I got a really good idea of what it's like in Seoul, and I have a lot of great information for you guys. So let's just jump right into it today. This, is, I think, is probably going to be a longer episode. The notes I took took me, I think, like four or five hours to get everything written down. So yes, this one will be quite the informative one. As far as Seoul goes, I think it really is a lot like Los Angeles. People say that it is the pop culture capital of Asia. If you look at the entertainment industry there, basically everything I'd say comes out of Seoul. Seoul has a lot of influence on the rest of Asia when it comes to music, fashion, acting, if you've heard of the infamous K-dramas and then K-pop. So just as LA is, I'd say, the pop culture capital for the US, maybe you would even say New York might be as well, but yeah, that's what Seoul is to the rest of Asia. As far as when I was there, I was there in June, end of June to August, and I have to say, if you can avoid going there in the summer, you must do it because the weather is awful. One of the bad things about Seoul and just Korea in general, I'd say, is that the weather is pretty much bad all year round. When it's summer, it's hot and humid. And then when it's winter, it's really cold and windy. It's just not a good experience. That's what a lot of people told me that I met while I was in Seoul. They said just like the weather is pretty terrible all year round. So if you're taking a vacation to Seoul, what I would recommend to you to get the best weather possible, because I would imagine that if I was there during one of these months, my experience in Seoul would have been so much better. Not that it wasn't great, but it could have been that much better because having to walk around each day in that humidity, it was just not fun and I was constantly sweating. So if you prefer the cold, I would say visit Seoul in October or November. And if you like a little bit more heat, then I would say visit Seoul in April or May. Those are the four months that you want to target. So keep that in mind. As far as how long you should be there, I think a week tops is good for seeing everything that you need to see if you're just going to Seoul. Five days sounds right. That's really, I think, the least amount of time you'd want to spend in Seoul. That gives you enough days to really experience everything. If you're planning on living in Seoul, I think it's a great place to challenge yourself, not only because the culture is so different, but because you're going to have the issue of the language barrier probably. And then I think also it's just a really great culture to immerse yourself in. I really could have seen myself studying abroad if I was in college. I think studying abroad in a place like Seoul would be a really unique and fun experience. A lot of people always study abroad in Europe, but if you're a college student, maybe think about that. Seoul really is a great place, and it is a hidden gem, I'd say, of Asia because not a lot of tourists really go there. If you look at places like Bangkok and Tokyo, there's way more tourists there. I'd say Seoul's kind of a secret right now, and not many people know about it, so it is a wonderful place to visit. As far as the layout of the city, I lived in seven different parts of Seoul, so I think I got a really nice understanding of what each place is like. So right off the bat, anytime you're looking at a part of Seoul, if the name has Dong at the end, remember it's a neighborhood. And if it has Gu, then that means it's the district. 
four of the main places you're probably going to spend most of your time and the places you're going to absolutely want to visit. One's called Myeongdong, which is a tourist area, but it's Korean. It hasn't really been, I'd say, influenced by tourism in the sense of like they cater super hard to tourists. It's more of like a great area to go shopping and really see what Seoul is like. They have street food at night, so that's a thing too. It's a really packed area, popular. There's a ton of lights and color at night. It's a cool little area. I spent a lot of time there. That's absolutely a place you're going to want to check out. The next place you're going to want to visit is called Itaewon. And Itaewon is the place where all of the foreigners live. So there's a lot of great food there. There's cool bars. The only thing that I'd say is an issue with Itaewon is that it's really hilly. So it's a pain in the butt to walk around. I stayed in Itaewon for a week and a half. And I have to say going up and down those hills all the time was such a pain in the butt. But Itaewon definitely is a place you're going to want to check out. As far as like attraction type stuff, there really isn't anything you're going to see there, but it is definitely a really good area where you're going to want to go there at night to see some of the nightlife things that they have there. It is, I think, one of the cooler places that I have been in all of my travels. So the next place I'm sure you have heard of, Gangnam, the infamous Gangnam from the Gangnam style song by Psy. So yes, Gangnam is a little out of the way of the center of Seoul. But it's an absolutely awesome area. People call it the Beverly Hills of Seoul. It's a wealthy area, great shopping. And then the next place that you're going to visit is called Jongno-gu. That's J-O-N-G-N-O. This is where the Gyeongbokgung Palace is. That's kind of like the, I'd say, financial district of Seoul. It feels like the downtown area, kind of tall buildings, a lot of hotels. Most likely, if you're staying in a hotel when you're visiting Seoul, you're probably going to be staying in this area or you might be staying around Myeongdong. It's going to be one of those two, I would imagine. So those are the four areas. Another great thing about Seoul is that there's so many different pockets within the city that are really, I think, cool places to go and so the problem with that when you're only visiting like when you're vacationing there is that I don't think you're gonna have enough time necessarily to see absolutely everything right because a lot of the these places are really spread out so in addition to those four areas I just named what I would recommend is you definitely want to check out it's called Hongdae that's h-o-n-g-d-a-e and this is the area by one of the universities it's called the Hongik University this area is super young tons of good restaurants they have events at night so you'll see a lot of street performances there a lot of people hang out here it's definitely one of the popping places you're gonna want to go here it is another place that's kind of out of the center of seoul it is away from like Myeongdong and itaewon but you absolutely have to check this out another place that's a pretty cool area is by it's called iwa women's university it's e-w-h-a and that's another area a lot of people hang out it's a young place good restaurants a nice place to explore so i'd say those two places you're going to want to check out in addition to the four areas I mentioned before getting into the food now i was really excited to be sharing the food because i went to so many different restaurants that i was super excited to share them but as i was writing them all down 
What I realized, because I actually lived there for so long, I went all over the place, and so a lot of these places aren't, I think, realistic for you to go to because it's so spread out all over the city, and it's just not something where if you're trying to see a bunch of things and then you're trying to like figure out the food situation, I don't think it's really feasible. So what I did is I broke up the restaurants based on the areas that you're gonna wanna visit. And then I also have some restaurants that regardless of you know location, I think you absolutely need to visit. So what I loved about Seoul is that the food culture is actually insane there. There's so many great international cuisines available. You really can find a little bit of everything in Seoul, which was really surprising to me. I was not expecting that. They have really good Mexican food, which is always nice, me being from California. They have great American barbecue as well. That was a surprise. And then really good burgers. And then the infamous Korean barbecue. If you've never had Korean barbecue, it really is, I think, one of the better food experiences you'll have with any type of cuisine you're going to eat anywhere in the world. The downside is that barbecue is really expensive in Seoul. I don't know if that's how it is in the U.S. also. I didn't really eat American barbecue growing up, so I don't remember if it was expensive, but like the American barbecue especially is super expensive in Seoul, and so is the Korean barbecue. The issue that I had was I didn't really get to eat a lot of Korean barbecue. I think I only ended up having it like twice. And the problem is that barbecue is more of a group experience. It's either a group or like two people at the least. And so all the prices, you get charged for two. You, I don't think you can really go to a place by yourself and get charged for just one person. It's always going to be in a set at the very least. So that's one of the downsides. And so I missed out. I think on really, you know, getting the full experience when it came to Korean barbecue. It also, you know, not being able to speak Korean and not being able to really figure out whether or not a restaurant was good when it, you know, was a Korean barbecue place. That kind of made it difficult as well. So I wish I was with someone so I could have experienced it a lot more. I did get to make up for it in Tokyo with my girlfriend. So we had a lot of Korean barbecue and Japanese barbecue, and I must say it is by far my favorite eating experience. Being able to cook your own food, there's just something really nice about that. You just get everything laid out for you, and then you cook it yourself, and then you know, you spend like two or three hours there just eating and drinking. It's such a fun, fun thing to do. So that being said, where do you need to go to visit? What restaurants do you need to go to? The first place, this is your Korean meal. This one isn't very, I would say, adventurous. If you're a person that isn't an adventurous eater, if you're worried about whether or not you're going to like Korean food, I think this is a good first place to go to really just test the waters. It's in Myeongdong, so it's going to be a place you can easily go to. You have to go here when you're in Myeongdong. It's called Myeongdong Kyoja. It's K-Y-O-J-A. And this place is very famous. A lot of people that I would say are, you know, more educated with Korean food, I think they would say it's not amazing. I I think they'd say it's good. I personally thought it was really good. So you want to go here for lunch. It's also one of the most efficient restaurants I've ever been to. What happens is you go in and they have a section for people that are by themselves or just with two and then they have like group tables so it's really actually nice if you're by yourself because there's always a table available it is a crowded place so keep that in mind what happens is you go sit down someone will come and take your order there's only four things on the menu so it's very simple 
and then you pay right when you order so then after you eat you can just leave it's so perfect all the silverware everything you're going to need is already at the table they don't bring you anything and they're really good about bringing your food quickly and then also refilling anything that you might need so great experience this was the first actual meal i had i think in seoul this was the first one ever so went with the korean food it is a little pricey if you're gonna get more than one thing. For me, it was $16 for two things. What you're gonna wanna order is the mandu, which is pork dumplings, steamed pork dumplings to die for. And then the other thing, it's called kalguksu, which is basically think ramen. It's very similar. It's not ramen per se, but what it is is just chicken broth with noodles and then there's garnish in it. That is amazing as well. And then you'll get a side of kimchi. So I think the kimchi is really where you're gonna have to be brave if you're trying, you know, like Korean food. If you wanna try something that's really popular and something you might not necessarily like, that would be kimchi. You're gonna get it everywhere you go. And you do get free refills at this restaurant. So that's always nice. I think kimchi is an acquired taste. I did not like it the first time I had it. I knew I was going to be eating a lot when I went there. So I really put in the effort, I think, to, you know, even though I didn't like it, I'd always eat it. And now it's something that's like one of my favorite things ever. I love kimchi. I miss it so much. The way it tastes from like the first time I ate it to now, it's just like a completely different taste. I would compare it to beer or wine, you know, how like you might not like beer or wine. And then as you drink it more and more, you start to like it. It's like the same idea. So that's Myeongdong Kyoja. Another place I'd recommend, this place is cheap. This is like a quick meal. You probably want to do this for lunch if you are... A fan of Japanese food as well, this is a great place. It's called a Biko Curry. And my favorite meal of all time is tonkatsu curry. What that is, is curry sauce with fried pork and then a side of rice. I ate this place more than any other place that I went to. I think at one point in one of the areas I was staying, there wasn't a ton of food nearby. But there was one of these Biko Curry restaurants literally right next to where I was staying. And so I ate this like every single day and I miss it so much. It's delicious. Highly recommend that if you need a quick, cheap meal. So check that place out. They also have them all over the city. So depending on where you're at, I know in Gangnam, there is one near there. So keep that in mind. The next place I'd say you have to go, and this is a place near Iwa Women's University. So bear that in mind. And there's also a place I want to mention a little bit later a cafe that is right next to this next restaurant. So you can kill two birds with one stone and go to both of them. This is a Thai restaurant. It's called Bangkok Express. And I think it's the best value of any place I went in Seoul. It's really cheap, like crazy stupid cheap. It really blew my mind how cheap it was. And the thing that I loved the most was that you could upgrade your portions for, I think it was like a dollar. So I got so much food here delicious pad thai the curry is really good it's a popular place it's small so i would recommend definitely going here for lunch maybe right when it opens up i think it opens at 11 30 a.m if i remember correctly and yeah i ate here once again another place i think i had it maybe like five or six times delicious i would just rotate bangkok express and a biko curry at one of the airbnbs i was staying at so that place is heavenly i think if you love thai food you definitely want to check this out once again a little bit out of the way right but if you're going to go in that area near iwo women's university then you want to go here 
These next restaurants now are all in the areas that I think you absolutely have to visit. So in Itawan, right? I said it was very foreigner heavy. So you get a lot of variety of options for food. One of the places you can go, it's called Coreanos. This is a place that's also in the US. It's a Mexican restaurant. They have them as well all over the city in Seoul. I know there's one in like a mall near in the in the Jungno district by the palace. I know there's one in a mall and like a food court type thing. They have one in Gangnam. And then also there's this one in Itwan. So I would say if you're gonna go there, get the one in Itwan and what you're gonna wanna order. I have three words for you, three wise fries, that's what it's called. What it is, is chicken, galbi, which is ribs, and then pork, it's all like sliced up, and then it's on it's on top of a bed of fries, and then they have like these three sauces all drizzled all over it, and then there's diced onions and cilantro. One of the most heavenly things I've ever eaten, and it's so, so good. I went here once again like three or four times. I got that every single time. It's amazing. It's on my Instagram, go find it, french fries with... A bunch of different meats loved it the next place i'd recommend and this goes to the whole idea of you know there being a wide variety of restaurants available in seoul this place is a moroccan restaurant so if you happen to like moroccan food i don't know that might be rare but if you like moroccan food this is another great place for lunch really simple menu it's called casablanca sandwichery shakshuka sandwiches soup salad i had chicken shakshuka with french bread and then a spiced shrimp sandwich on a french roll it was heavenly that's another thing you go on my instagram look for some shrimp in a sandwich and you'll see it i loved it really small place that's one of the things in asia is that i think what we're used to in the u.s is restaurants are pretty large well in asia most of the restaurants are really small so that is one thing that kind of sucks if it is crowded if it's a popular place then it's going to be hard to find a seat but this place, Casablanca Sandwichery, you won't have a problem going for lunch. It won't be that crowded. So that is your Moroccan fix. American barbecue, I had it a few times, and there's a place called Locos Barbecue in Itawan. This place is pretty expensive, like I mentioned before. If you're with people, it'll definitely be a lot better, but it was really good American barbecue. They had their own barbecue sauces that they made, so that's always cool when a place has that. Mac and cheese, pulled pork, baked beans, rolls, coleslaw. It was really good. So that is an option if you want some American barbecue. This last place in Itawan that I would recommend is a burger joint. And they have a lot of good specialty beers. It's called The Workshop. And I would say that if you're traveling alone by chance, or maybe if you just want to meet people, this is a foreigner hangout. I would say this is the spot to go in Itawan if you're trying to meet foreigners. There's so many people that go there at night. So highly recommend that if you're looking for people. I actually met one of the guys that own the Airbnb that I stayed at. He invited me out to eat and so we went there and then he knew a bunch of other foreigners and I ended up going out that night with them so that was like a cool little you know experience for me meeting people and then getting to go out and experience the nightlife with people instead of you know like doing it by myself so the workshop that is an option also a pretty good burger to be honest but I definitely would say I would only go there if you're trying to meet people. The next area, Hongdae, as I mentioned before. So Hongdae is in the district. It's Mapogu, and this is to the 
west of Seoul. So if you just look on a map, if you look at Seoul and you see like the lettering Seoul and then you go west, that's where Mabagu is. So it's kind of out of the way of the city center, but it's definitely a place you're going to want to check out. A lot of variety of food once again in this area. One place I'd recommend if you are into ramen, it's called Butanchu. B-U-T-A-N-C-H-U. And this is a really popular place. There's always a line. So keep that in mind. I don't know if you're going to be able to get in, but if you're looking for ramen, it's really good ramen. It's also quick once you get past the whole weight. So once you're actually in eating, it's a pretty quick meal. Burger joint, I'd recommend. I am a burger. This place is really small. I think there's like, I want to say there's like four tables and then there's like a little a little row of seating like right near the kitchen and there's like four seats and so it's a tiny place but that's a solid burger my only gripe with this place is that it's pretty small portions and that's always unfortunate because i love to eat right but they have the you know the black bun burger the fancy stuff everyone you know these days everyone's doing stuff with with uh, activated charcoal and making things black so yeah you can get a black bun burger there if you're craving a burger and in the area The next place I would recommend, and this is the place that I think is a must try. This is a Mexican restaurant. Again, I think it's the best Mexican food hands down in all of Seoul. Another popular place. Love, love, loved it. It's called Gusto Taco. The owner's American and he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met like of an owner that you know is in charge of a restaurant kind of how i mentioned last week with romania i talked about how like you know there's the different types of owners where some are hands-on and then others are just kind of like not a part of the day-to-day operations well this is one of those owners once again he is super hands-on he's you know bringing food out he's taking orders he's talking to the customers and it's one of those things where he's genuinely interested in everyone that he's talking to it's not like he's just saying like oh hey how are you and like here's your food he's actually starting to talk to you he's you know asking where you're from he's trying to get in your story and he really makes you feel welcome he is an awesome guy he actually also gave me his cards and said if i ever needed anything like to you know contact him so super nice guy that i think just made the experience so much better and so with that of course the food is amazing I think I had a pulled pork burrito and then did I have, I might've had pulled pork tacos as well, but yes, they were delicious. I, like I said, highly, highly recommend Gusto Taco. And then afterwards, let's say you're in need of a little ice cream. If you have a little bit of a sweet tooth, there's an ice cream shop right by Gusto Taco. It's called Fell and Cole and they have really good ice cream. It is kind of specialty ice cream where the flavors are weird and it is pricier, but it's really high quality ice cream. And so if you're into that kind of stuff, then I would check out Felon Cole afterwards. The last place I'd recommend is called Travel Maker Cafe. This is an American diner, basically. It's all diner food. So if you're looking for that American breakfast, I would check this place out. They have, you know, pancakes, waffles, blueberry pancakes, strawberry and banana waffles. They have grilled cheese and tomato soup. You can get your eggs, bacon, sausage, everything. This is right near Hongik University as well. So that is always an option to you. This is another place you'll see a lot of foreigners that go here. So once again, if you're trying to meet people, another good place to go for either breakfast or lunch. So that's food for you. And now... To get into cafes, because I don't know if people know about this, but Seoul is one of the best places in the world for cafes. 
it's got great coffee culture in Seoul. So you can really go down the rabbit hole, I think, in Seoul when it comes to cafes. There's so many different cafes with different themes and the food is really good too. All the baked things you can get, the baked goods to die for. I would say Seoul and like Paris or, you know, like the places where the cafes are really amazing. So so there are a lot of chain cafes that are really good, but there's also a bunch of unique ones. One of the places that I went to a few times, and this is the place that I said was near Iwa's Women's University that you're going to want to check out if you go to Bangkok Express to eat. I highly, highly recommend going here, especially if you're just looking to chill for a few hours. It's really cool on the inside as well. There's like different floors and everything and it's got a good vibe to it. It's called Waffle It Up. And the really popular thing here, which is the thing that really made me fall in love with this, is that they have waffles with ice cream. So think of all the different, you know, like coffee drinks you can get, whatever, you can get that stuff here. But the thing that's really popular is the waffles and ice cream. And you can get all different kinds of ice cream flavors. You can get either three flavors, two flavors, one flavor. You can get it with a side of fruit. And then the waffles are to die for too. So I highly recommend going to this place. If you are a Starbucks fan, there's Starbucks all over Seoul. And the thing that I found in Europe and Asia is that the Starbucks like are just way better than they are in the US as far as like the interior. There's so many different cool Starbucks that you can visit throughout the world where they have really unique interiors, whether they're like, you know, two stories, three stories, maybe there's like a basement level. They're really, really nicely designed. And so that was something I really enjoyed just going to all the different Starbucks all over the world. But this Starbucks in Seoul, I think if you're a big Starbucks drinker, I think you definitely want to check this out. It's in a neighborhood in Gangnam. It's called Cheongdam. It's C-H-E-O-N-G-D-A-M. And this area is a really wealthy area within Gangnam. You're going to see, you know, really fancy cars, the way people dress. It's like really upscale. And this is hands down like the best and nicest Starbucks I've ever been to. If you're a digital nomad, I could totally see you like just living in there. If I was a digital nomad myself, I would definitely be going there every single day. The Starbucks is three stories and it's humongous. It's not super crowded either, so that's always nice because that was one of the problems definitely was when you'd go to Starbucks like all over the city. A lot of them are super crowded and I found that to be the case in Tokyo as well, so it was really hard to find seats, but this one was good. The second floor, there is a gigantic bar in the center of it that wraps all the way around and then you know, there's seating around and then you go up to the third floor and it's just all seating and they have these huge wooden tables and these large like leather couches and chairs it's really really fancy there and I loved going there I think I went there like four times even though it was kind of out of the way of where I needed to be so so that's your Starbucks as far as the unique cafes you can visit I didn't really go to any of them but I'm telling you there's so many cool unique cafes that you can visit so I highly recommend researching it. Two of the ones that caught my eye that I didn't go to, but I wish I had. One is called the Sky Tree and the other is called the Onion. And both of these places are really unique interiors. At the Sky Tree, you can also get brunch, but I think it's pretty expensive. So I don't know if you're going to want to do that. But from what I've read about the reviews and stuff, it's supposed to be really good food there as well. One of the things that I thought was pretty cool about this place was the art that they do with the cappuccinos. So... 
one photo I saw, it was a cherry blossom tree in the cappuccino and it had the actual like color of the cherry blossoms in it. It was a really, really unique design that I've never seen before. So I thought that was pretty sweet. I think from what I read as well, you're going to want to make a reservation if you check out the sky tree. So keep that in mind. And then with that, there's a lot of chain coffee places that you can go to besides Starbucks. One of the ones that I really liked was called the Tucson Place. This is a place that has delicious baked goods. I remember one of the days I went a little bit crazy. I was planning on just getting a snack and instead it ended up being lunch. And I had, let's see, I had a Madeline cookie, a lemon muffin, a sugar twist donut, a chocolate croissant, and a blueberry muffin. And was it the best thing ever when I was eating it? Of course. And then afterwards, was it the worst decision of my life? You bet you because I felt so bad afterwards. But you know what? In the moment, it was so good. Now, as far as things you want to try when it comes to food in Seoul, there's this thing called bingsu. And what bingsu is, is just shaved ice. And that is a really popular dessert in Seoul. There's a chain cafe as well that is pretty famous for the shaved ice. So you can check that place out if you're looking to try it. It's called Solbing. That's S-U-L-B-I-N-G. Basically what it is, is so it's shaved ice and then they use like condensed milk that they put in it. And so it's not really something that tastes like ice. It's more sweet. And then you can get different flavors depending on what you want, all these different toppings. So they have like a chocolate one where you can get brownies and there's chocolate sauce. They have ones with different fruits. So you can get like strawberries and blueberries. You can get mango. You can get, you know, bananas, pineapple, whatever it is that you want. There's all these different ones you can try. One thing I will say, if you do go to Solbing, there is other desserts you can get. They have like toast you can get with ice cream and things like that. Warning to everyone, if you have kids, they put mochi on their desserts. And so I think with Solbing and then any other cafe, if you're going to get some type of like dessert when it comes to like toast or maybe a brownie, whatever it is, pancakes, waffles, make sure that it doesn't have mochi on it because if it has mochi on it, mochi is extremely sticky and it's really easy to choke on. So if you have little kids, I definitely don't recommend them eating mochi. It's something you just don't want to mess with. I remember at Solbing, I got this toast that had mochi it basically think of like a sticky marshmallow that's kind of what it feels like and so it was like two pieces of toast with mochi in the middle and then it had ice cream on top with like caramel sauce and some type of sliced nut and yeah it was like one of the more difficult things i had to eat because it was really hard to swallow it because of how sticky it was so keep that in mind another thing you absolutely have to try this is a must it's called the bibimbap that's a b-i-b-i-m B-A-P, and you want to get it with a hot stone. And so what it is, is just a mixture of different ingredients. And with the hot stone, it gets a little bit crispy. So you can get something like it. It would be white rice with maybe kimchi, and then they'll have like seaweed and then other and then other ingredients as well. And then you mix it all up and then it gets kind of cooked in the hot stone. You can also, I think, get raw eggs. They'll crack a raw egg in there and that will be in there. And so it's one of the you know, most delicious things I think you can eat when it comes to Korean food. I loved it. You absolutely have to try that. The next thing you have to try, this is a must if you drink, if you're of legal age. All right, kids, if you're 21 and over, although I don't know, I don't remember what the drinking age is actually in Korea. So maybe it's less than that, but this alcoholic drink you can get, it's called soju. And this is a very dangerous drink because it is cheap. It's delicious. And you could easily get pretty drunk on it 
you know, it's one of those things you just keep drinking and you keep drinking it because of how good it is and you don't really think it's having an effect on you and then pretty soon you're drunk. So you can get this at pretty much every single place you go when it comes to bars and then also when it also comes to restaurants, you can get it as well. I think going back to like the eating culture in Korea, a lot of people they'll go out to these restaurants and it's not so much a restaurant, but it's like you kind of, it's like think of appetizers. You get these appetizers. There's like a lot of different soups you can get or different snacks. And then you just eat that and then you drink. And so a lot of people will drink soju and soju is flavored and unflavored. I do not recommend unflavored. I thought it was disgusting. It was really hard to drink, but they do have a lot of different flavors. There's like grapefruit, there's grape there's peach pineapple apple blueberry so it's just going to depend on where you go because not every place you go is going to have every single flavor my personal favorites i really liked grapefruit which was surprising to me because i actually don't like grapefruits like the fruit itself i don't like it i think it tastes like throw up when you eat it it's disgusting like that aftertaste after you throw up that's what i think grapefruit tastes like but i will say the grapefruit soju was really good and then also the apple soju is delicious as well so i would recommend those two people also say that the grape one is delicious it's green grape it's not purple grapes so that one's really popular as well another thing you need to try kimchi stew if you like hot food that's an absolute must and then i would say just in general korean barbecue like i said earlier you i didn't get a chance to really eat a lot of it but i definitely recommend you try and eat it as much as you can it's a really great dining experience and i think you'll really enjoy it as far as a popular chain it's called maple tree house so if you want like a cheaper option in a place where you can find it all over the city that's a popular place otherwise i think just look up different korean barbecue joints it might be pricier depending on where you go but i don't think you can really go wrong i went i remember to one korean barbecue place it was just some random like place and you know in the middle of the street and it was delicious that was my first korean barbecue experience and i loved it so i don't think you're gonna go wrong snacks at convenience stores and this is a unique one because i've never done this before and i think that's one of the nice things about being in seoul for a month and a half was i got to you know really get down deep with some of the things that you normally maybe wouldn't find if you're just visiting a place for a little bit of time. So at convenience stores, there's very unique snacks in Asia. And so the ones I would recommend to you if you want something on the go, maybe you need something when you're walking around and visiting all the different places you can go. Honey butter chips is a really popular one. I think going into it, I didn't think that would be good, like the combination of honey and butter, but those chips are amazing. If you're feeling brave, they have these things called shrimp fries. Think of it like a Cheeto puff, but thinner, and it's shrimp flavored. So those are really good if you like shrimp. I think the best one of them all, it's called Honey Apple Twists. It's in a purple bag, and that one I ate so much. I probably had that like eight different times. I love those. That was my favorite snack of them all, so I would say try that one. Another one I really liked, they're called Orion Turtle Corn Chips. So you'll see a little turtle on the front of the bag, and they have different flavored ones. I think cinnamon flavored was the best, so definitely get cinnamon flavored. My second second favorite snack that I'd recommend so I couldn't really find the name of these but it says sweet monster on the front of the bag and the bag is teal and what it basically is is think of like a mini chocolate rice cake and I think if you're going to try anything definitely get the honey and apple twist and then the sweet monster one with the rice cake 
So that is all the food. I still have honestly like a million other places that I could recommend, but I just don't think that it's really gonna, you know, be feasible for you to try these places. So if you do want to know more though, if you want more recommendations, you can always email me. So I can give you more options if you choose. When it comes to nightlife now, there really are, I think, three areas you're going to want to check out if you're going for the nightlife, if you you know want to experience that. Gangnam, Hongdae, Itaewon. I personally would recommend Itaewon. That, like I said earlier, one of the cooler areas I've ever been with all the different bars. There's so many different bars everywhere it's one once again a place where it's really lit up and there's a bunch of colors there's a lot of foreigners you'll see so you'll be able to meet people one bar that i went to and this place gets pretty bad reviews actually but i personally had a really good experience here and i do recommend checking out because you can just go in there's no entrance fee and let's say you don't like it then you can just leave and go somewhere else but i do think you should check it out it's a really cool interior it's called fountain and there's different parts of the bar. So depending on the vibe you want, there's a dance floor with a bar. There's like just a sitting area or standing area with a bar. And then there's an upstairs level with a bar and that's kind of more low key and darker. It's not as lit up and the music's different. There's also an area where they have dart boards set up so you can play darts if you want as well. I remember we played like three games with the people that I was with. So that was a lot of fun. There is a lot of security that you'll notice if you go there. I got a kick out of it because they're all like dressed in dress shirts and then they all have suspenders on and they're all dressed the same and they're like looking very serious. I thought it was really funny. People will complain about the staff. That's really the bad reviews it gets. And like I said, in my experience, that wasn't the case. So I wasn't even planning on going out the night that I ended up going out. And so when I went out with these people that I met, I had my backpack with me. So I was carrying like a 40 pound backpack around with, you know, like my camera equipment. I had a, I had a Joby tripod with me. I remember I had a brand new two liter water bottle on the side of my bag too. So I was not really expecting to be able to get in. I also wasn't really dressed that fancily. I think I had like black jeans on with black Nikes and then a gray t-shirt and I had no problem getting in. No one stopped me. The security guard at the door actually told me that I couldn't bring in my water. I thought he was telling me I couldn't bring in my backpack, but he said I couldn't bring in my unopened water, which I thought was weird. But while I say my experience was good here, I said, oh, can you like hold on to it for me then? And so, you know, he took my water brand new, like I said, didn't want to waste it or anything. Went into the bar, hung out for like three hours. And then as I was leaving, I like made eye contact with him and he turned around and he had my water and gave it back to me. So I thought that was really cool. It's not like someone has to do that. So I, you know, like I said, the experience was good at the fountain. This place, the fountain is pretty foreigner heavy, I'd say compared to the other bars that you could go to around the area. But the area itself is awesome. There's a ton of people there and it's great to go. So I highly recommend Etuan if you're looking for a nightlife experience. I'm sure Hungdan and Gangnam are great too, but I would do Etuan just because you're going to be able to meet people that you can actually like hang out with. So that's nightlife. For the things to do now in Seoul, I would say for Asia in general, this is just my personal opinion. I don't think you really go to Asia expecting to see a lot of really cool things when it comes to like maybe museums or sites. I think really what the fun thing about 
Asia is, is just experiencing such a different culture. And so that itself is more of the, is the experience you're getting and more of the thing that you're going to enjoy. I think, especially if you've been to like Europe already, as far as things to do, there are a few things I think you should check out, but there isn't a ton to where you're going to be feeling overwhelmed. Like you need to see a bunch. The first thing you absolutely have to do, I think if you're going to do anything, this is the one you want to do. You want to go to the end Seoul tower. And this is where you can get fantastic views of Seoul. You can walk around there. There's restaurants. There's all these little like games set up and there's just a lot of cool things. There's tons of places to sit and just look out over the rest of Seoul. I think you definitely want to go here for sunset. One thing I didn't know, and this is one of those situations where like my bad experience is informing you so you don't make the same mistake. I ended up hiking up to the tower. It is a mountain. They call it Namsan Mountain that this tower is on top of. Do I think it's like the biggest mountain ever? No, but yes, I hiked up it because I thought you had to do that. I didn't know that there were actual buses that went up to the tower. So do not make the mistake like I did and take, you know, like an hour and 15 minutes hiking up this mountain in the heat, just sweating profusely. <laughs> make sure you take the buses up to it and you will have a much better experience. It is cool though, because of the mountain, there's a bunch of trails. And so you'll see people all over the place hiking or exercising, you know, running up and down. It is a cool place to take a run if you're looking to do that. And the tower itself is kind of in the dead center of Seoul. It's right below Myeongdong kind of, and then right above Itaewon. So if you're in one of those areas, you'll have an easy time getting there. The second thing I think you definitely want to do in this, I would say, is the highlight of Seoul. Like this is the thing people do for whatever reason when people go to Korea. You want to visit the DMZ and that's the Korean demilitarized zone. So that's the border between North and South Korea. There's two types of tours you can do. You have to take a tour. There's no way of just going there by yourself. So you're going to have to end up, you know, forking over some money. So the two tours, there's the DMZ tour and then there's the DMZ and JSA tour. And the JSA stands for Joint Security Area. So what happens is you'll do the DMZ tour first and it's the same thing whether or not you're doing the DMZ and the JSA or just the DMZ. But afterwards you'll do the JSA tour and that just takes you deeper into the border and you'll actually get the opportunity if you want. You don't have to do it, but it is a cool thing. You can say, oh, I stepped into North Korea. And so they'll actually let you step into North Korea. There's like a door, basically this building, and there's a door and you go through the door and then you're in North Korea essentially. And what they like to say, I don't know if this is a joke or something, but what they say is like, there's they're not responsible for you if you get kidnapped. So if you go, I don't know how that would happen if you go through the door, cause you're just stepping into, you're taking like one step through the door and then you're North Korea. I don't know, maybe there's people waiting there for you or something, who knows, but the difference between the two tours is really just the price. It's whether or not you want to fork over that much extra money. What I saw as far in terms of the pricing goes, the DMZ tour I saw from 40 to $45 and that's the tour I did. I just did DMZ because I didn't want to pay the extra money. And then the DMZ and JSA tour, I've seen anywhere from $120 to $145. So you're definitely forking over a lot more money. Also with the JSA tour, you get to have a speaker that was someone who actually escaped from North Korea. So it's someone that, you know, is like a refugee from North Korea. So they'll speak to you. I'm sure that would probably be a pretty cool experience to like learn about that person. I think the highlights of the tour really were just standing on the wall, looking out onto the hills and seeing North Korea. 
is there really anything to see? No, it's just hills. But apparently there's like soldiers that are supposed to be posted up because there's a lot of brush where you can't really see. And so, yeah, there's supposed to be soldiers all along the mountains, they say. I didn't really see any. We're too far away to see it. One thing you will be able to see, they do have telescopes that you can pay for and then, you know, like get a better look. They do have this city that is like a propaganda city. So it's one of those cities where it's like completely deserted, but they use it to film to like kind of, you know, show oh, like North Korea is actually a nice place. It's not that bad. So that you can actually see. And then you can also see like a huge North Korean flag, like this big pole and then the North Korean flag. So those are the only two things you'll see from the wall. The other cool experience is going along the third infiltration tunnel. So you'll actually be able to walk through the tunnel and these infiltration tunnels, basically what it is, is North Korea dug all of these tunnels into South Korea and none of them actually, they never actually, I think, breached into South Korea, but they were digging all these tunnels and South Korea over time discovered these tunnels. And what's really scary about it is a lot of these tunnels, I think if I remember at one point, like it took them like 20 plus years before they discovered another one of the tunnels. I think there's like something like five of them that are five to seven that they know about. And yeah, there was like a 20 year period where they hadn't discovered another one. So just think like they... North Korean soldiers could have definitely used that, but they never did. So yeah, most of them they know about now, but they do think that there still are infiltration tunnels that they just haven't discovered yet, which is kind of creepy to think about. But yeah, you'll be able to go along one of them. It kind of sucks walking down it because it's downhill and it's really moist and wet in the tunnel. So the ground's kind of slippery and it's downhill to the point of where it's almost like it's almost too much for you to just walk. You kind of have to do like a half run or like walk really awkwardly, like too fast where you're taking really big steps and you kind of feel like you're falling. And then you add in the wet ground and it isn't really a fun experience of walking down that tunnel, I will admit. Then once you get to the bottom, you then go deeper into the tunnel and you it's like this really small area. So you kind of have to duck and you walk along and then you go all the way to the end. And there's this big metal door with kind of a, a slit in the center of it so you can see past. And so past that door is supposed to like lead into North Korea. And so that's all gated off like they literally have that bolted to where no one can go through the door. So that was kind of cool because I was trying to see like, oh, can you see any soldiers maybe posted, like North Korean soldiers posted there to make sure no one's ever like going through it, but I couldn't see anyone. So I was hoping to see someone, but I did not. And then that's really the tour. You'll go also on the tour, you'll go to, I think, an abandoned train station. And so you can get a stamp like of North Korea, like, oh, I was at this train station and this is North Korea. So that's kind of a cool souvenir you'll get to do. Other than that, that's really the tour. Do I think it was the best thing ever? No, I'm glad I did it. It's one of those things where you say, oh, I did it. You know, like people, oh, did you go, did you go to the border when you went to Korea? And you can say, yeah. So that's it as far as the tour goes. Some other things you might want to check out, the Gyeongbokgung Palace, that's the best palace. There's a lot of palaces in Seoul you can visit, but that's the best one in my opinion. That's the most popular, that's the biggest one. I thought it was pretty underwhelming to be honest. When you've been to Europe and you've seen some of like the architecture and just the just how amazing some of these palaces or buildings are, it just it's it's I mean obviously it's different because it's like Asian architecture and all that and it's like different time periods and stuff like that, but I honestly didn't think it was anything super special. You can see the changing of the guard there. 
it is a nice area you're going to want to, you know, check out. So you might as well go and do it. There's some cool statues around the area as well. There's a big square in the center of the city before the palace. So I would recommend, I think that is something you're going to want to do. Another palace you can check out, it's called Cheng Diuk Gong Palace. And that one's C-H-A-N-G-D-E-O-K-G-U-N-G. And then I don't know if I did the Gyeong Buk Gung, but that's G-Y-E-O-N-G-B-O-K-G-U-N-G. So Cheng Gyeong Palace, that one is, I'd say, more nature-y. There's a lot more trees. There's ponds around. So if you're more into nature and you have to choose between both palaces, maybe you want to do the Cheng Gyeong Palace. So I wouldn't necessarily go to both of them because I don't know if you're going to have enough time to do that. The nice thing about going to the Cheng Gyeong Palace is there's another place you're going to want to check out. It's called the Bukchon Hanuk Village. It's B-U-K-C-H-O-N and then space H-A-N-O-K. This is a very popular place for people to go take photos. If you look on Instagram of places in Seoul, I'm positive you will see photos of this. Why it's so popular, it's just really unique, pretty houses. The architecture is really cool. Like the roofing is awesome. And then it's just uphill and there's like the windy roads and things like that. So you kind of get that windy road in there with these really nice houses on both sides. And then you get the backdrop of the view of the rest of the city. So it is a, I think, a, a nice photo opportunity. You will see a lot of tourists that go here. You will see a lot of Korean people that go here. And to be honest, it's really hard to get a photo without other people being in it. So I don't know if it's necessarily worth it. But if you end up going to the Chang Gyeokgang Palace, that Bukchang Hanak Village is right there. So you could kill two birds with one stone with that. The only other two things I'd recommend for museums, the National Museum of Korea is pretty cool. It's free unless you want to see the exhibitions. The exhibition, I think it was eight bucks and I didn't really think it was worth it. So, you know, do whatever you want with that. The other museum I went to, the War Memorial of Korea, this is like the war museum. It's gigantic. And what's really cool about the outside is to the right of the museum, they have a lot of the old fighter jets and tanks and boats and things like that from all the different wars. So that was a pretty unique thing that you don't normally see. I think if you're going to choose between the two, I personally would go with the War Memorial of Korea. It is pretty fascinating. And then, you know, there is a lot of history with, you know, the Japanese and the Koreans with the war and then also the Korean war and things like that. So definitely a cool place to check out. If you are into street markets, two of them I'd recommend. And this is where you can try some street food. Guangjing Market, that's G-W-A-N-G-J-A-N-G. This is a popular market. It's out of the two, I'm going to mention the more popular one. There's a small fish market there. There's vendors selling clothing and different goods. Like I said, there's the street food, so you could try some street food if you want. And then the other market, Nam De Mun Market, that's N-A-M-D-A-E-M-U-N. Same thing, basically. You're getting, you know, street food, vendors selling different things. Like I said, the other one's more popular, but this one is closer, I would imagine, to where you're going to be staying. So that's something to consider that is everything in terms of what to see. Some tips now for your people, some things you're going to want to keep in mind. So Seoul has, I think, the best transportation of any place I've ever been. It's pretty new, so it's extremely clean. It's 
got great coverage throughout the city so you can basically get to any part of the city depending on where you're at it's not like you're gonna have to you know go from like oh i need to go to this stop to get get to this stop to get to that stop you're basically gonna have everything covered for you which is nice buses and subway that's what you're gonna be working with i think you absolutely must use public transportation do not take taxis the public transportation i'm telling you it's a great experience also what's nice is that there's almost like these own little worlds underground in like the subway there's tons of shopping actually in some of the areas and then there's a ton of convenience stores so you know the underground and like exploring down there is kind of a cool thing too it's not something you normally get to see I don't know if New York subway systems like that. I don't think it is, but it is it is nice, you know, walking around from the different subway stations and seeing these own like these unique little worlds and there's some areas where there's literally just like rows and rows of stores for shopping. So that is one of the experiences that people recommend doing when you're in Seoul is just going to all these different stores in the underground. So so yes, you want to use the public transportation. How to pay for the public transportation so what you're going to want to do is right when you get to the airport you're going to want to buy this thing that's called the t-money card and it's a card 350 us dollars pretty cheap and you just preload money onto it and then you tap the card when you're getting onto the bus and then when you're getting off and then you tap it you know at the gates to go into the subway and then when you're leaving so it's really simple super convenient easy you can preload money onto it at convenience stores and you can also do it at pay stations in the subway so that makes life really easy as well each ride for the subway i think is around one dollar for traveling six miles or less and then the bus is a dollar to a dollar seventy depending on the bus you take and so most of the rides you're going to be taking are going to be a dollar because you're going to be using the blue and green buses those are the ones that you know have the coverage all over the city but then if you see any other types of buses like different colored ones and things like that those are going to be more expensive not super expensive but those sometimes like it's private bus companies and not the public buses and different things like that so yes you can still use them but they'll be more expensive maybe depending on where you're going in the city you might have to use one of them i don't know most of the buses i used were the blue and green ones one thing i will say about the buses in seoul it's really jerky when you're on the bus so you're gonna struggle with being on the bus if you don't have a seat because when you're standing and just holding on to the railing you kind of go back and forth and the buses have really sharp stops and then with all the hilly areas as well it makes it kind of a pain in the butt because you're constantly jerking all around sometimes and you have to really hold on tightly so that's kind of a pain. Also, when the buses are crowded, that just makes it that much worse. Are the buses really crowded all the time? Not really, unless you know it's rush hour and people are coming home from work. Other than that, you'll be fine Like during the day. Taking the buses, you can always take taxis if you want, but I definitely think you should experience the public transportation. You will, I promise, get an appreciation for just how efficient and good it is. For the money situation, the currency is the won, that's W-O-N, at this moment right now, April 2nd, 2019, the currency conversion for the US dollar, it's 
1136 won is one US dollar. So really just think every 1000 won is a dollar. That's I think an easy way to go about it. So you don't have to constantly be calculating stuff. No one really speaks English at all, as you can imagine in Korea. So that's going to be an issue. Even if you're in, you know, the touristy parts, I would still say no one really speaks English. So you're going to get really good at pointing, at nodding, at smiling, at kind of looking like you have no idea what's going on. That's going to be you. And to be honest, it is easy to get around in Korea still, even though you don't speak the language, you can just point and nod and you will get by. As far as a Korean lesson goes, really quickly to say hi and to say thank you because you will want to know these. So hi is 안녕하세요 and thank you is 감사합니다. So what you'll notice with the language is that Korean people, they really say the words like super fast and they kind of blend it all together. So they're not necessarily really going syllable by syllable and like saying them right. So like hi, for example, on young aseo. It's more of just like aseo. Like they and they, they do like the it's funny when you when you speak Korean, when you speak Japanese, like the the inflection of your voice. aseo. like and then they say it for a longer period of time, right? Like oh and then come sanida. So that's thank you. So what I'm basically trying to tell you is you can really just say it fast. I know when you're speaking a language and you don't know what's going on, it can be intimidating because you don't want to look stupid. So I think that's what's nice about it is you can just kind of say it fast and they'll know what you're talking about. So I would just go with hi and thank you. Kamsanida once again for thank you. Hi, annyeonghaseyo is hi, hello, how are you? It all kind of means the same thing. So just worry about those two things when you greet someone and then when you're leaving. So that is your lesson in Korean. For a sample itinerary, and this is going to depend once again on how long you're staying. Like I said before in the beginning of the episode, I think five days is at the very least what you want. I think seven's good. If you want to go like 10 to maybe two weeks, then you can go to different parts of Korea. I personally was only in Seoul, but Jeju Island is supposed to be amazing. A lot of people go there. It's beautiful there. So you can check that out. Busan is also another popular destination. So that's just going to depend on how long you're staying. So if you're staying for five days, let's say, I think a good thing to do on day one is go Gyeongbokgung Palace. That's really simple. It's not overwhelming. You're going to be dealing with jet lag. So you're going to want to have an easy day. Day two, I would check out Myeongdong, go hang out there, eat the food, check out the shopping and then for sunset i would go to the ensole tower remember you want to take the bus up to that so you can do two things that day the third day i would go to the dmz in the morning if you want to do that i know some people there's like the especially in the news people say oh how it's dangerous to go to the border and you don't want to do that because what if something happens Honestly, it's such a popular thing to do there and you I really wouldn't worry about it, especially now with things kind of getting, I think, relations, right, between North and South Korea. Are they good now? No, but I mean, it's a lot better than it was. So if anything, now's the time to go to the to the demilitarized zone and check that out. After you do the DMZ in the morning, you're going to have the rest of the day. And so do what you want. And then I think that's a good day to go out on the town, go experience the nightlife. I would go to Itaewon and experience the bars there on your third day. Then depending on how much you drink, you may or not be hungover for day four. And so day four is a great day to just explore whatever parts of the city that you are interested in. So Gangnam, that's a good place to go. Hongdae, 
really whatever you want. And then I'd say day five is the same thing. Just explore what you're interested in. Maybe you go to the street markets. And then if you have day six and seven, if you're staying there a week, same idea. Really, like I said before, Korea, what's amazing about it is just experiencing the culture and seeing all the different things, seeing the little quirky, unique things that make Korea what it is. So it's more about going, I think, all over the city rather than just going to like, oh, this museum, that museum. Maybe if you want to throw in a K-pop concert, I personally love K-pop. Maybe throw that in if you're a fan. I know BTS is huge in the US, so odds are you probably like BTS. Maybe they're playing in Seoul when you're going there. That would be, I think, an experience to have. I would imagine that would be something that would be a lot, a lot of fun. Especially just to experience like a whole different culture, experiencing a concert and seeing like the fangirls and how big it is there. I think it would be really cool. So that is an option as well. This next one, personal opinion. I would say stay away from the street food in places like Myeongdong. I know I said earlier that they have street food lined up, but I really like don't think the street food looked all that good. It was a lot of meaty type stuff. So like hot dog type stuff. There was things with like melted cheese in it. It honestly all just looked really bad. So I think if you're going to do street food, the two markets I mentioned, try it there because you're actually going to get like a traditional Korean dish. Whereas the street food in places like Myeongdong, it's just like, it's, it's, it's gross. Honestly, I don't think you need to be eating it. There's much better things to be eating. So especially in Myeongdong, I'm telling you, do not go eat the street food. Go to that Kyoja restaurant, like I said, to get the pork dumplings and the soup. That is what you want to do in Myeongdong. I recommend you get a SIM card when you're there because you're going to want to be able to access maps, whether that's Google Maps or City Mapper. You're going to want to be able to use that to get all over the city. It's also going to give you all the bus routes, so it's going to be really simple. Whether you're taking the bus or the subway, it's going to be really simple to find where you need to enter and where you need to exit. So that is a must, I think. SIM cards, the one you're going to want. This is the one I had. This is the best one. It's called the KT Olay SIM card. That's O-L-L-E-H. And they have different options for you. So it's unlimited data. And then you just pick how many days you want it for. And then you also get access to Wi-Fi hotspots around the city, I believe, if I remember correctly, with this SIM card. So they have options for one day, three days, five, 10, and 30. I think, once again, if you're doing five days, it's perfect, right? So five days is 22 US dollars. 10 days is $33. Depending on, like I said, how long you're staying, that's going to, you know gonna depend on the one you choose if you're staying a week i would probably go with the 10 day i know you're gonna be paying extra but i don't know maybe you can get by with those two days without the the wi-fi i know there is wi-fi available in the coffee shops if you go there korea is known honestly for how good their internet is so there is a lot of wi-fi around it just depends where you're at it's not always going to work like if you use public wi-fi it's not always going to work so i think it is nice to have a sim card if you're traveling as a family or with a couple of friends at least one of you i think should have a sim card you don't all need to get one so that will definitely make the price a lot cheaper. You can split the price and then it's not such a hit if you think it's too expensive. So pay attention now because this was what I did not do and it was an absolute pain in the butt for me because I had to go to a specific place only to get my SIM card because I didn't pick it up at the airport. So you're gonna wanna order it online and then 
when you get to the airport, when you get to Ichion Airport, when you finally get to Seoul, that's where you go pick up the SIM card. So you're going to want to order it before your actual trip. And there's a lot of different sites that you can order it from. It's all the same SIM card. It's all the same options. The only thing is the prices are a little bit different depending on where you order from. So the three places that I found, kluke.com, I think is the one you're going to want to order it from because that is the cheapest of all the prices that I saw. The other options, you can order it through KT. So that's the actual cell phone or the service provider. You could do it through their site or you could do it through a site called KKDay. And they are all very similar in pricing. I think the difference is only like maybe one or two dollars if you do it through Kluke. So highly recommend getting a SIM card and remember order it online or else you're going to have to go to a specific building to get the SIM card. And it was just a nightmare because, you know, I had to take a bus. I had to speak to the person, tell them what I wanted. I had to, you know, give them just all this information. It was a pain. And then I had to do that two other times or no, I had to do that one other time because I had to, you know, once the SIM card ended for the month, I had to get another one. So I had to go there again. So yes, you don't want to be dealing with not having a SIM card at the airport. Definitely get the KT Olay one before you go. Convenience stores in Seoul. There's 7-Elevens all over the place, so that will be familiar and comfortable for a lot of people. That's where you're going to want to go if you need anything, shampoos, little snacks, water. I would get water from there. They sell two-liter water bottles, which is nice in Seoul. So if you get two of those, that is a gallon for a day. And most people don't drink that much water, but you really should drink a lot of water, especially if you're there in the summer for whatever reason, it's going to be hot, humid, you're going to sweat, you want to try and drink as much water as possible, you're going to be walking around a lot, so if you could carry around one of those two liter water bottles all day, they might also have a liter and a half, if I remember correctly, so a little bit less, and yes, you'll be set with water the whole day. Two other convenience stores that you're going to see everywhere that are popular, these are just like 7-Eleven, they're just as good, really, I mean... I think I used one of these more than 7-Eleven. There's one called CU, so just like KU, we'll say. And there's another called GS25. KU is the one, like I said, I use the most. And when it comes to the snacks I mentioned earlier, the little snacks you might want to try that are unique to Korea, I think depending on which one of these convenience stores you go to, they may or may not have one of the snacks so if you're looking to try them keep that in mind your best bet with korean snacks is going to be going to the ku place or the gs25 7-eleven yes we'll have them but it'll be i think more you know more of like an international more more catering to like an international feel with what they actually offer and sell than the places that are actually convenience stores for korea so that's everything about Seoul. My God, my mouth is so dry right now. (laughs) We're almost there. As far as what I liked and what I didn't like to end it, what I liked, eating culture, drinking culture, amazing, amazing. One of my favorites of anywhere I've been. Tokyo is very much the same way. The food, delicious, tons of international options for you. And then Korean food itself is really good, especially if you like spicy food. Having the Mexican food available and being able to eat that as much as I wanted, that was very nice. I enjoyed that. The people, very respectful, nice, clean, happy. I really honestly can't say anything bad about any of the people in most of the places I've been. But yes, Korean people are super nice. I think depending on who you talk to, they may or may not, you know, say it different than what I did. But in my experience, everyone was super nice. 
not that I could really talk to most of the people because they spoke Korean, but you know, in our, in our struggle, in our struggle of interaction where we kind of just had to point and nod and all that and figure things out, they were nice. So the fifth thing, the transportation, amazing, really easy to get around everywhere. And especially with how spread out things are, it's nice to have really efficient transportation at your disposal. And it's also really cheap. The sixth thing I liked, it reminds me a lot of LA, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, it's where I'm from. So it's always nice when you go to a place and it reminds you of home, it's comfortable. And I think it just makes for more of an interesting place when you're in a city that's like literally the center of pop culture it just makes it where there's just so many more things to do and things to experience so that was really nice and then the seventh thing the final thing that i really liked that once again kind of like la there's a lot of different areas of the city that there are to explore each place has its own vibe and so there's so many different pockets there's so many i think things to discover. I'm sure there's a ton of things that I missed out on that going back, I would find new places. And that's something that's really nice about a city is like when you can constantly, you know, go to the same area and discover new things. That's another tip I would say really quickly is just because you've been to an area already doesn't mean you shouldn't go back to there if you liked it. Like if you really like Myeongdong, for example, like go back there because you're going to, you're going to have a whole different experience going back there for the second time than you did for the first because especially in Asia you kind of you kind of have deer in the headlights right because there's just so much going on and it's just so different than what you're probably used to and so you're really only I think getting a surface experience of what it's like and then when you go there again right when you go to that area again then it's like you you've already gotten over the initial shock. I don't know if that's the right word, right? But you've gotten over the initial, like, oh, this is so different, what's going on? And then you can actually, I think, really pick up on some things you normally wouldn't pick up on. So highly recommend doing that. What I didn't like about Korea, the weather, like I said, awful, in my opinion. Go in those four months I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Otherwise, I don't know, you're gonna have to tough it out and it's gonna suck in that regard. The sour... (laughs) The shower situation in Seoul, I really didn't like. This is one I struggled with. My probably least favorite thing by far. I don't know if you're going to have to be dealing with this if you are staying in a hotel, but there's these things called wet rooms in Korea that are very popular. And what a wet room basically is, is it's a bathroom with the shower head and there's no divider. There's no like glass divider or no tub. And so when you shower, you're getting the rest of the bathroom wet. And that was kind of something that I had to get used to. I think only in one of the seven places I stayed, there was an actual separation of the shower to the bathroom. And so, yeah, that was something to get used to. That was something I didn't really like. But you know what? You just you just do it. And hopefully the hotels are Western and not wet rooms because, yes, that will be something that you're going to, yeah, you're going to have fun. <laughs> you're going to have fun doing that. What really sucks about it is that it's really easy for the bathroom to get moldy. And so what you'll find a lot is there's a lot of black mold that will be in the bathroom if you're not really on top of that and cleaning it. So that I, that's really the downside to it, other than it just being like a new experience and kind of weird when the rest of the bathroom is wet. And then the last and final thing I didn't like, this is really personal to me. I was pretty lonely a lot of the time in Seoul. It was the first place I went in Asia, not being able to really speak to anyone, right, for the most part, and then just being by myself. And instead of staying in hostels, 
where I could probably meet a lot more people. I was staying in Airbnbs always. So yes, it got lonely. And I think if you have someone to travel with or if you can make friends, your experience in Seoul will be that much better. And it really just goes back to the eating and drinking culture. It's just so much fun to go out with people at night and like experience all that, all the different Korean food and like drinking together and having all these different types of snacks and just hopping from place to place. I think that's one of the highlights definitely of Korea. I think it can get old. I know I talked to some foreigners that live there like permanently in Seoul and they said it kind of gets old, you know, going out to these meals and like being out for four hours, you kind of get sick of it. But for me personally, not being there for super long and not like doing it a ton, I really enjoyed that. So that was the last thing. If you do need somewhere to stay, if let's say you're staying there long term, maybe you're studying abroad or maybe you're staying for like a month or something and you don't want to stay in a hotel or a hostel and you're looking for Airbnbs, let me know actually because I have someone that I can talk to and message for you. He was the person that owned the Airbnb of like the first Airbnb. Airbnb I stayed at in Seoul, but he has a lot of different properties that he is in charge of. So whether that's you just need an Airbnb for a week or two, or if you need somewhere more permanent, maybe for three months, he has houses that he runs. So if I can contact him for you, if you do need that, so email me kanjhancock at gmail.com. Instagram is kanjhancock. If you want to just send me a message, if you have any questions, as well. Feel free to email, message me, whatever it may be. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. I think this one was an informative one. I feel like I'm about to pass out here. My mouth is extremely dry, the most dry it's ever been recording an episode, and I haven't eaten all day, so I'm going to go handle that. If you like the episode, please, please, please subscribe so you get notifications for the new episodes. And then also, if you could leave a review, that would be awesome. I would really appreciate that. Thank you all for listening. I hope everyone has a great rest of your week. I will see everyone next week. See you guys.